Welcome back to the County My Blessings podcast. It's been a minute, actually almost two years. It's hard to believe how fast time has gone by. I originally started this podcast during COVID as just a really easy way to connect with others and share my stories of counting my blessings with family and friends. I was also at that time sharing about Revelation Wellness um, in my journey of becoming a fitness teacher, gospel preacher. I am still very much following along with RevWell and recently joined a small group of women in the Food is Not the Bossomy Challenge. Still loving all things RevWell, and they actually just launched a new app, so definitely check it out. Um, but back to keeping you uh, caught up on what we've been up to the last few years. A lot has been happening. Um, the boys have grown up. Logan is now 11 and in sixth grade. He's in a large junior high and changing classrooms each hour, loving math and ag and STEAM and history. And I'm so proud of him, how well he does focusing on his studies at school. Um, little room for improvement and taking care of his room here, but one step at a time. He also has his first phone, um, which has been interesting, but overall it's been a positive experience and really helpful to be able to stay more connected to him when he's out and about. Titus is now nine and in fourth grade in the middle school. He is definitely our second and middle child as a social butterfly. He loves being connected to friends um, through his baseball team and being online playing Fortnite, another technology zinger, phones and Fortnite. Um, it's one of those necessary evils, it seems, with all of their friends on it, but we try to monitor it and um, only let him connect with friends that he knows. He is also rocking math at school, which is wonderful. Both boys are big math boys. And then little Christian, my baby, he's actually just turned four. He is in daycare here in town at first school and soaking up playing with toys as much as he can. Right now, he loves Hot Wheels. Um, learning so much with letters, and he loves geography, and lately he's been learning how to say hello in multiple languages, which is super cute. We have been completely settled in now, almost going on two years into our forever home that we built out in Thornwood, a, a really pretty black and white home inside and out. Um, Aaron continues to grow his Speakers Bureau business, and I had an opportunity for almost six and a half years to lead corporate relations at the University of Illinois. The last few years was in the food, ag, and life sciences sector, which was um, just a career high for me to get to work in this space at my alma mater. Um, it was an incredible opportunity, and it allowed me to connect with colleagues all across the campus and corporate leaders across the country. Fast forward to today, and I have made a big career move. It was a tough decision, but a lifelong dream for Aaron and I to get to work together as business partners in the Speakers Bureau business. Um, the Speaker Bureau, Capital City Speakers Bureau, is actually celebrating 30 years this year. It was started by a fellow Illinois alum, Mike Clem. He and his wife, Rita, have been longtime friends and mentors of ours. Their daughter, Courtney, was my pledge daughter at Alpha Gamma Delta at Illinois. And um, another story for another day that I hope we get to podcast about, but we are very grateful that we get to be a part of their legacy plan and continuing the business. And I'm so excited to share that I am now a partner with Aaron in the business and um, working to grow sales and reach out for new clients, both locally and across the country. Again, I can't wait to share more about that on another podcast. But today, I wanted to focus on sharing highlights of a recent girls' trip to London. Uh, this career shift had allowed me to take about six weeks of doing some work, but also doing some traveling. We did a family cruise to the Bahamas, some skiing, 
And then last week, I got my first ever trip to London under my belt. We just returned a week ago. I still can't believe we made it happen, literally dreaming about it our entire lifetime. And so many friends have reached out to hear more about our trip and ask for tips on planning their upcoming trips. So I thought, why not? What a perfect time to dust off the podcast mic and share the details of our trip so I could capture these memories for me and um, for the women that I got to experience this trip with. My mom, Marsha, practically raised us like we were um, proper English ladies, even though none of us had actually been to England. Um, we learned to throw tea parties at a young age and appreciate the Victorian era with beautiful floral arrangements and fine china for all of our holiday gatherings and birthdays. We fell in love with the movie Sense and Sensibility and have been quoting from it for over 20 years. We all had that same longing desire to get there and see it live and in person. So to get to go together and experience it for the first time was so incredibly special and made for memories that will for sure last us a lifetime. As far as planning, um, we spent several months ahead of our trip, all of us girls working together to determine our top must-dos for a long weekend trip. My little sister, Christina, who loves to serve as our travel agent, booked us a beautiful room at Taj 51, right in central London, um, a five-star hotel at the Buckingham Gate area with a full breakfast buffet, happy hour, um, multiple bedrooms, two bathrooms, and a full kitchen. I was in awe of having a kitchen. Um, she booked our flights on American, so we flew American direct out of O'Hare. Alora, our sister-in-law, joined us flying out of Boston, and she was able to chat with a good friend who grew up in Windsor and give us ideas on planning. My older sister, Elizabeth, brought out the Rick Steves London book and um, had the map and really mapped out lots of good ideas um, from the locals' perspective. My mom, Marsha, worked with a local travel agent to help book us a private guided tour with a top London podcaster who appears on BBC. And my role as Catherine, I pulled all the information together and created our itinerary. As far as packing is concerned, we all agreed ahead of time to go with small carry-on suitcases. This sounded better in theory than in practice, I must say. It was tricky to make it happen, but um, we all were able to pack everything within small carry-on suitcases. We each had one carry-on suitcase, and then we each had an extra bag. I tried to sneak in a little extra larger bag, um, but on the on the drive up to the airport, my sisters and my mom talked me into going down um, to just kind of like a backpack size bag, which was really smart. I managed to sneak in three pairs of shoes, a couple tall boots and a smaller boot. Um, but it's up to you, but definitely easier if you have small suitcases for navigating the streets of London once you get there, getting on the train, moving in cabs. And of course, the major perk as to why we all chose to do check-on only or carry-on only was so that we didn't lose our luggage, um, which was really nice. We knew we always had it with us. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about the flight before I get into getting to London. Um, a lot We hadn't all flown together. My mom and I had a few times on trips to New York and Savannah. But my sisters and I realized we had not all been on a flight together. Growing up, all of our vacations were driving, mostly to sporting events um, or down to Georgia to see some of our good friends. So it was really exciting to be going on a long-distance flight together. 
some good things to remember on your, if it's been a while since you've taken an international flight, good to get on the plane after a nice, a nice meal, nothing too heavy, but you don't want to get on the plane um, real hungry. Um, important to stay hydrated throughout the flight and get up every couple hours. Those were good things that, um, that we remembered. It had been a while for me. I had flown to Europe a few times in my 20s, and I had been to Japan and China on business class, but it had been a while since I had done an international flight. So we all got together on our direct flight O'Hare into London, Heathrow. We got into the airport on Friday morning. We left on a Thursday evening, got in on a Friday morning, and we decided to take the express train um, each one of us booked a ticket into the city, into Paddington Station. And then from Paddington Station, we took the train um, to our hotel stop. Um, it was a good experience. It was a very fascinating way to get into the city. But I would say we quickly realized as a group of five that we would fit into a cab just fine. And with spreading the costs with five of us in the cab, that was actually a better way to get to see more of the city and really pretty economical when spreading across five of us. Um, the cab system is incredible in London. It is um, an amazing profession to be a cab driver in London. It, you have to take the London test and it can take up to five years to pass. And they essentially have to know every single street in London, every way to go. Um, it's like being with a private tour guide every time you're in a cab and a comedian all in one. They're incredible. They seem to love tourists. I think the only, I, I, I felt, never felt so much love and um, excitement for being in a, in a country. It was also so fascinating to be in a new foreign country, but all English speaking and realize so much of their history, which is hundreds and hundreds of years older than our United States history all stems into who we are as the United States of America. So I loved it, loved being in the cabs. Um, now for a smaller group, if it's like one or two traveling in London, you may find that it's more economical to do the train, which is very easy. There's stations everywhere. Um, but for the cabs, you can download an app called Free Now. It's a great app for cabs. You can link your credit card. And we found in, in London, um, Visa and MasterCard to be most accepted. I took my Discover with me and I never really could use it. Um, and then, of course, you can always do an exchange at the airport for U.S. dollars into the pounds currency. Good to have some, some local currency. Um, Uber does work there in a pinch. I will say we did use Uber on our first day when we were still kind of learning and navigating. They aren't huge fans of Uber over there. Um, but when we were coming home from Windsor, for example, it was fine. We were tired weren't really up for chatting a lot during that ride back to the hotel. But in general, if you're in a larger group, I'd say three, four, or five, probably a cab's the way to go for most of your transportation. And I loved the hotel location we had, very central, made it really easy. I will say London is massive. And um, for the most part, we spent, we were there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, came back home on a Monday, 99% of our time we're in a couple key neighborhoods where a lot of the touristy and historical areas are. We spent most of our time in Westminster, Mayfair, Belgravia, the West End, and Kensington. And then we took an afternoon trip to Windsor. 
So now I'm going to try to describe to you kind of the historical perspective and the details that we got to see in a few key, um, key highlights of our trip. So when we got in on Friday morning, we got to our hotel, we got cleaned up, we showered, we were very tired, um, but we pushed through, grabbed a cab and headed to Windsor, which is about an hour outside the city. It's actually quite close to the airport. And had we been super adventurous, we could have probably checked our luggage at the airport, went right to Windsor, enjoyed the castle tour, came back, got our luggage, and then went to the hotel. But we all really, after an overnight flight, were really looking forward to getting settled in and showering. So that's what we did. So we took off around noon, grabbed a really quick sandwich to go nearby our hotel, and went to Windsor. Windsor is a royal residence in Berkshire, just outside the city. It was built in the 11th century by William the Conqueror. And since the time of Henry I, which was 1100 to 1135, it has been used by the reigning monarch. And in fact, it is the longest occupied palace in all of Europe, which is just mind blowing. Um, and that's very historical. Now, more present day from 2011 to 2022, it was the main residence of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, we got to see the state apartments there, including the room where Queen Elizabeth would broadcast her messages during COVID. It was this beautiful green drawing room. Um, it was near the end of the afternoon. Tours wrap up around 4.30. And I'd say we got there around 2.30. We did have tickets pre-purchased. Um, and so we got a little extra viewing, just us group of five girls with a tour guide. He told us all about this beautiful room that the queen had been broadcasting from, which was really special. Um, queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip actually wrote out COVID primarily there at Windsor. In fact, Prince William died at the Windsor Castle in April of 2021. Um, Windsor Castle is beautiful in part of the occupied royal palace's estate. It is now owned by Charles III. And it is the largest inhabited castle in the world. Um, during Elizabeth's reign, much was done to transform it into this major British tourist attraction. And I am so glad it was what we started with on our trip. Um, one of the most beautiful uh, sites is the long road you can see out, um, out of the castle. Just gorgeous. Now, we weren't allowed to take a lot of pictures, um, but there is plenty online. But just a beautiful castle. The 15th century St. George's Chapel is also there on that property. It is considered one of the most supreme achievements of English Gothic design. It's the spiritual home of the Order of Knights of the Garter. And we also got to tour that chapel. Again, couldn't take many pictures. We were able to see Queen Elizabeth's grave there, as well as Prince Philip and both of her parents. Henry VIII, Jane Seymour, Charles I, Edward IV, are all also buried there. Um, St. George's Chapel is also where Prince Harry and Meghan were married. And I could definitely remember as I was standing there walking into the chapel, seeing George Clooney and Oprah walking up that walkway into the chapel. So that was fascinating. So we wrapped up our afternoon and had a nice dinner at a pub in Windsor, um, an adorable town, um, gorgeous views. And the pub was really fun. It was just across the street from Windsor Castle, which was amazing. And then, as I mentioned, we actually grabbed an Uber. That was the easiest way at that time of night. Um, couldn't find a lot of cabs that were heading back into London. The cab system was kind of separate in Windsor versus London. We did see some buses, um, but this was just an easy one. We were all really tired, didn't really want to get in public transportation. So jumped in an Uber and headed back to our hotel. Again, that was our travel day. 
Um, our hotel had a really nice bar. So we got some drinks there um, and just relaxed in our room and chatted. They had brought um, little, a little dessert plate for us to enjoy. So um, that was a fun night, um, just kind of hanging out and relaxing in our room. The next morning we had our alarm set because we had scheduled four hours of a private tour um, with an incredible tour guide named Anthony. Um, and I'll, I'll look up what his last name is and reach out to me anytime if you want any more details. But he met us that next morning um, at the Tower of London. So we ate a nice breakfast that was included in our hotel at the hotel with tea and croissants and amazing butter and jams and a very quintessential English breakfast. Grabbed the cab, went to the Tower of London to start our tour. Um, the Tower of London is um, one of the most historical and oldest parts of London. The Romans actually established London as a town called Londinium after they invaded Britain in AD 43. In AD 225, London became a very important settlement, and the Romans built a strong wall um, which surrounded um, the ground at the tower. Um, William the Conqueror chose this strategic site where the Tower of London is um, 800 years later from when the Romans first established Londinium. And the old Roman walls were used, um, reused to defend this new castle he built. Um, the Tower of London is on the banks of the Thames River. It's a thousand year old castle and it protects the crown jewels, which was fascinating. We got to walk in, we couldn't take pictures, but we got to see thousands and thousands of years of history, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of historical crown jewels. Um, the tower is a secure fortress and a royal palace and a prison. Um, William the Conqueror built the White Tower that stands today, and it is a very powerful symbol of the nation. As I mentioned, you can see on display um, the crown jewels, but you can also see years of arms and armor, as well as a luxurious medieval palace for kings and queens. Our tour guide pointed out there were buildings from the 11th, 12th, 13th, 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries all around the tower. And then across the river, um, you could see the 21st century buildings. That's south of, of this area. And then um, right next to the tower is Tower Bridge, which is beautiful. It's got some blues to it, which is probably what a lot of people think is the iconic London Bridge, but it's called Tower Bridge. Um, we never made it across the river, but it, that is very much more of the um, financial district and booming more of a New York City look. Um, we did not get to see one crown jewel. It is missing because they're working on the crown for the coronation that's going to be held this May for King Charles. Once we finished up at the London at the Tower of London, um, we got in a cab and we headed over to Westminster Abbey. Westminster Abbey was founded in 19 or in 960 AD by monks. And today, with 10 centuries of British history, is still a place of Christian worship. It has been the coronation church since 1066 on Christmas Day with the coronation of William the Conqueror. You can see his name comes up a lot in the history of London. There have been 39 monarchs crowned in the abbey, and it is the final resting place of 17 monarchs, one of the most important Gothic buildings in the country of England as well. Very significant people in history have been buried there, and this is where our private tour guide really spotlighted to us the incredible historical um, 
people that are buried there. Winston Churchill, Isaac Newton, Stephen Hawking, Queen Mary, Queen Victoria, Queen Elizabeth, Queen Catherine, Charles Dickens, Shakespeare. Um, Jane Austen is not buried there, but she is honored there. Edmund Haley, um, the one that found the Haley's, think Haley's comment. King Albert, um, the coronation chair is there. It was actually missing because they're getting it ready. Um, William the Conqueror and William Harold of England were some of the first to be coronated there. King Charles III will be the 40th reigning monarch to be crowned there on Saturday, May the 6th of this year. Um, right there at Westminster Abbey is the iconic Big Ben. Big Ben is the name for the great bell of the striking clock at the north end of the Palace of Westminster. The clock tower is actually named Elizabeth Tower, marking her 2012 Diamond Jubilee when it was completed in 1859. The clock was the largest and most accurate four-faced clock in the world. Um, this was really fun to look up. All four nations for the United Kingdom are featured on the clock, which includes the Rose for England, a Thistle for Scotland, a Shamrock for Ireland, and a Leek for Wales. I would say the Tower of London on this, so on this four-hour tour between Tower of London and Westminster Abbey, the Tower of London is as far east as we got. Um, we were always north of the river, and that's about as far east as we got. Once we wrapped up with our tour guide, he led us to a really neat historical pub. Um, trying to remember the name of it, but it was built, it began like in the 1700s and we had a really fun, some wine and beer, just a really nice, lovely, relaxing um, late lunch there. Then we worked our way north up to St. Paul's Cathedral, which is now 1400 years old. Um, we actually attended a free evening song service. St. Paul's Cathedral is part of the Church of England and it's actually, um, houses one of the biggest domes in the world at 366 feet high. Martin Luther King gave a sermon there in 1964, and Charles and Diana were married there in July of 1981. Um, before we went to St. Paul's Cathedral, we made a quick stop at the National Gallery Museum close to Piccadilly Circus, which was really neat, some um, world-famous um uh, paintings like Monet and Piaget. It was um, beautiful artwork there as well. I should also mention it was fascinating learning from our tour guide. He had met Princess Diana. He had met the queen right, riding on his bike. He looked over and her car was right next to him. And um, he said he made such a funny face. He'd had a long conversation with Princess Margaret and he had met Prime Minister Thatcher as well. So that was um, that wrapped up kind of our historical day on Saturday. Um, that evening, we came back to our hotel. We actually um, ate in our hotel, Taj 51, um, Indian-themed um, five-star uh, hotel, had a, an amazing restaurant there. So we had kind of an Indian fusion dinner in the hotel, enjoyed happy hour, and then we actually got to go out on the town. We made it out to the theater district and went to a piano bar called Piano Works, which was super fun. And it was neat. We got to see both Chinatown and the theater district in the evening, very much a Times Square, New York City vibe, which I loved. And it was just fun to say we went out on the weekend out in the city. Um, we got to request some music at the piano bar and dance, and it was a lot of fun. But we had to get to bed 
Not too late because the next morning we wanted to get up on time to get to Buckingham Palace. So Sunday morning, we woke up early, had a little more breakfast at the hotel, and um, our hotel was just about an eight-minute walk to Buckingham Palace. Four times a week, they had the changing of the guards. It starts at 11 a.m., and we, we knew we needed to get there early to get a spot thanks to Elizabeth's tips in her book. So we got there just after 10 a.m., um, Buckingham Palace is the royal residence and administrative headquarters of the monarch. It's also owned by the reigning monarch, obviously King Charles. It's It was the weekday home for um, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. Now Charles III lives at Clarence House while there is some restoration going on at Buckingham Palace. Uh, Buckingham Palace which was originally built in 1703 and became the London residence of the British monarch with Queen Victoria in 1837. We um, stood there at Buckingham Palace to watch the changing of the guard. It's, it's actually the King's Guard, and they are the infantry responsible for guarding Buckingham Palace, as well as St. James Palace, which includes Clarence House. We got to see both groups of guards as we walked from Buckingham Palace to St. James's, or past St. James. Um, the official residence is still St. James of the guard commander. He's based there. Um, this is just not just a ceremonial um, thing that they do. It also provides um, security to the palaces. They provide sentries during the day and the night. During the later hours, they also patrol the grounds of the palace. Um, they do this ceremony on Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. I believe in the summertime, they may do it almost every day. The music was so fun. We would have we would have never expected it, but we heard songs that included Elton John and the song New York, New York. Um, we stood right next to the palace for a little bit as we watched the bands come in. And then we walked across over to the Victoria Memorial, which is right across from the palace. Absolutely the perfect place to stand and watch the ceremony. And as I mentioned, definitely go early, about an hour ahead of time to get a good spot. It was neat. We did not plan it, but we were walking past St. James Palace right after the Buckingham Palace changing of the guards to get over to our noon reservation at the Brown Hotel drawing room and happened to catch the wrap up of that changing of the guards as well. We had a lovely afternoon tea. We had noon reservations that we had made a few weeks ahead of time, probably a month ahead of time. Beautiful sit down tea um, with champagne. Um, they bring sandwich. They start with sandwiches. You each get your own little pot of tea, amazing pastries and scones. Um, and they even played happy birthday with a grand piano in the room for my mom's birthday. So very beautiful and quintessential English. Um, the, that's the Brown Hotel drawing room. I would definitely recommend getting reservations. It filled up quickly. Tea is served from noon to 4.30. Next, we strolled over to Bond Street um, this was on Sunday afternoon. It is a very iconic street in Mayfair, known for its expensive and designer shopping. So we certainly just window shopped. It's one of the most sought after strips of real estate in all of Europe. Um, it has the highest density of high-end stores anywhere in the world, including we stopped by the flagship store of Ralph Lauren and Cartier, even popped into Tiffany's. Laura got her ring cleaned, um, and it was just uh, really neat just to get to experience kind of the high-end fashion district of London. We enjoyed a little bit more shopping that afternoon. Um, we stopped by a couple more um, squares, Trafalgar Square, and I think we also did Covenant Garden that afternoon. 
went back to our hotel, rested for a little bit, and then got cleaned up for our big fancy dinner on the town at the Ritz. Um, we had seven o'clock reservations at the Ritz. It's one of London's, I say, probably the most iconic hotel. The dining room is stunning. It's boasted as one of the most beautiful dining rooms in all of London. You can definitely feel the luxurious five-star experience. Um, a very, very fancy and expensive experience, but we went with drinks and appetizers. Actually, we shared a bottle of champagne, um, got incredible service by lots of different waiters um, and just soaked up you know, kind of people watching and the beautiful dining room that it, that is there. We enjoyed drinks and appetizers. And then they also brought a nice fun cake for mom's birthday. So we wrapped up at the Ritz right around nine. We had been tipped off by our tour guide that Woosley, right? I think Woosley's how you say it, or Woosley right next door is another iconic British restaurant that Daniel Craig and Pierce Brosnan would frequent often. So we popped in there around nine and had a little bit more to eat. We had this incredible French onion soup and um, a few more cocktails. And then after that, um, we took some really fun pictures with the uh, front doorman at the Ritz. So that was a really neat experience. Um, then we went back to our hotel, wrapped up, had, uh, I think, maybe one more evening cocktail to celebrate it being midnight and the turn of mom's official birthday and called it a night knowing we were going to get up and um, try and enjoy our final day in London. We got up Monday morning, my mom's birthday, and had a nice breakfast brunch at our hotel, had some mimosas, and then grabbed a cab to Kensington Gardens. Kensington Gardens is a public park in London, um, once the gardens of Kensington Palace. There's also a large Albert Memorial that you can't miss and a beautiful tribute to Princess Diana. There's a playground built in her honor there. Unfortunately, we didn't have our kids with us, so we couldn't go into the park, um, but it looked just like a beautiful playground. There's so the gardens, I would say, were a little tricky in winter. Not everything was open, but it is a really neat area. We did miss the iconic Peter Pan statue, and we didn't make it to these locations during this trip, but definitely when I go back, Royal Albert Hall, um, Victorian Albert Museum and the Natural History Museums are all close walking distance to the Kensington Gardens, and I would love to go to all of those. Then we ended this iconic trip at Harrods. Um, it's a high-end retail shopping um, store. It's a beautiful historic location on Brompton Road with seven floors and more than 330 departments. Uh, we primarily spent our time in the affordable gift shop area in the basement, but really special to check out these departments. Um, I did make my way up the escalators to the men's floor and picked up a Hugo Boss baseball cap for Aaron as a nice thank you for watching the kids while we were away on our London weekend. I know this is getting a little lengthy, so I'll wrap up, but uh, hope you've enjoyed hearing all these details of our ladies' London weekend. Highly, highly recommend getting there. I can't believe it took me till age 40 to make it happen. I, I'm so glad that we went. I can't wait to go back and would love to help you plan your trip if you're interested. Thank you, and I'm hoping to be back with more topics and, and more fun things to say on Counting My Blessings. Take care.